Now, what I suggest you do is this. Have yourself seated with your backs as straight as possible, but not stiff. Don't put words on But if you can't help words running in your head, don't think it good. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the uh, Super Dharma Bros YouTube and podcast channel. Uh, today, uh, I'll be doing a solo episode uh, where we discuss Buddhism and relationships, like romantic relationships, partnerships, and uh, things like that. So, you know, as Western lay practitioners of Buddhism, it can often feel like we have to balance two antithetical views of the pursuit of happiness. So a lot of our culture tells us that happiness is finding a partner to whom we're deeply in love and we have this undying passion for. Um, and a lot of our religion tells us that the way to lasting happiness is not becoming attached to things. And it's understanding that attachment ultimately isn't fulfilling, especially because everything comes to an end. So the question comes up, how do we rectify undying love and understanding impermanence and unattachment and making those two things meet in our relationships? Um, and historically, there's clearly an argument for the idea that this disconnect between those two ideas can't be remedied um, or it can't be remedied very easily. After all, we have entire orders of celibate monks um, and nuns and people who cite this incompatibility as an issue. And I've heard monks and nuns and all sorts of practitioners describe how relationships to them felt incompatible with practice. Um, I have absolutely no citation for this, but I hear this a lot with Western Westerners who convert and become monastic. Often there is a kind of sense that relationships are just a barrier to practice for them, um, which is probably true for them. However, I don't think this has to be the way, and I think partnership can become just as much a part of our practice as anything else. And I think relationships can become a tool to enhance our understanding of universal compassion. And I think our understanding of impermanence and a lack of a fixed self can actually improve our relationships. So I think our relationships can improve our Buddhist practice, and I think our Buddhist practice can actually improve our relationships. And there can kind of be a synergetic healthiness to them. So how do relationships enhance our universal compassion? That's that first thing I brought up. After all, isn't loving someone as a spouse or a partner raise them up above others around you? And if we think we only have so much love to give, if we give it to that one person, aren't we losing the ability to be compassionate towards others? And this is an idea that I often hear that there's like, there's only so much love and blah, 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 which I don't know where this comes from, because I think any parent would tell you that you can love your partner and your child and each one of your children the same, you know, that every relationship is different and has a different kind of love. 
But for some reason, when it comes to relationships, uh, I've often heard people describe that they feel like their relationship takes away from their universal compassion. And I don't get that, but it, it's a thing I hear. Um, and I don't think that 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 makes sense necessarily. In the Tibetan tradition, we often contemplate how our mothers, as a source of compassion, we, we think about the love they've given us and how they've nurtured us and carried us. And then we, from there, imagine how every living thing we met has been our mother at some point in time due to rebirth. Additionally, in the Tibetan tradition, we might have vows or deep affirmations of connection to our teachers and masters, but this doesn't happen at the detriment of loving others. In fact, we view this as a way to learn to love others more and more deeply. So in the Tibetan tradition, and we do this with a lot of different things in Tibetan Buddhism, we take kind of a natural phenomenon, like a love for a parent or a mother, and use it as a jumping point to expand. And I think our relationship with our partners can be exactly like this. So first off, I like to think of romantic relationships as just another set of vows that are centered around a particular person instead of like a concept or a religion or something like that. And just as we might make vows around like our diet or our behavior or our thinking as part of a religious practice, this is just that same level of commitment and concept centered around another particular person. However, this person is not an exclusion. You must only treat this person well. But rather, they can be an example of how you can treat and respect and help everyone. So just as Tibetans traditionally tell us to look at others as if they might be our mothers, I found that when I first got married and felt that deep sense of bonding and connection with Devon, I started to view others in this way. Not like that they're my spouse, but that I kind of had a bigger understanding of what love and commitment and compassion could be. So I'd either think this person who I'm talking to, you know, like a random person in the street or a construction worker I'm having a fight with on a job site or something like that, I, I could look at that person and I could think, this person has a Devon. They too have made these vows that I've made to someone and are working towards that person's well-being the same way I work towards my partners. Or I might look at that person and think, this person is someone's Devon. Just the way I cherish Devon every day, every moment, this person is cherished. And just the way that I cherish Devon and I dedicate so much of my life and time to her, this person has done the same. And this person is a part of a relationship like that. And how would I want someone to speak to my partner? You know, if I, if I kind of like fill her into their position, how would I speak to that person? And yeah, I think, I think there's, it's kind of a silly exercise in that it's not necessarily recognizing just, you know, the innate rights for respect that, that person has, you know, you have to do this fill in game, but that's what a lot of these philosophical exercises are and these meditations are, is they're trying to kind of rewire your thinking. And I think relationships can do that really beautifully. So sure, we can use our relationships as a framework for universal compassion. 
But how do we go about navigating non-attachment while being in a relationship? And I think the first step is to break down the phrase non-attachment, which is not being detached, which is like aloof, disconnected. Rather, it's non-attachment. And non-attachment is not being attached to the stories and ideas we have of the world around us. Non-attachment is a natural outcome of being intimately connected with the world as it is. When we understand the impermanency of everything around us, we become open and comfortable with knowing that things are not what they necessarily seem all the time. So for ourselves, when we sit in meditation, we can spend a lot of time dismantling incorrect views and stories we tell about ourselves to ourselves. We sit and recognize impermanence where we thought there was something fixed. We become open to reality to the reality of change, and we watch as we ourselves change and subvert the pangs of denial and inevitable suffering that comes from denial. I think a healthy relationship to a partner is no different from a healthy relationship with ourself. I think a lot of us have experienced that pain that can come from relationships, but often that pain is when we realize who we imagine or expected our partner to be, or our relationship to be, and who they are or what our relationship is are different. When those two things don't line up, that's suffering. But I think if we wake up every day with the idea that we're meeting our partner anew, then both they and us can grow freely, uninhibited by expectations and notions and ideas that we're putting on our partner and our relationship. We actually get to experience our partner and our relationship. Basically, this is just relationship mindfulness, you know. And sometimes from that, we can discover that maybe the relationship isn't healthy and maybe, you know, the relationship shouldn't continue. And that's, that's okay, too. But I, I don't see why we can't view a relationship as, as, as selfless and unattached, you know? So are relationships tough? And can they be distracting to our practice? Like, of course, every relationship requires work, and there will be conflict. But that's true of any relationship with people. Even among the Buddhist celibate monks, there was conflict. And the Buddha himself pointed out that where there were people interacting, inevitably there would be disagreement, there would be conflict. I think the analogy he gave was that if a woman was dancing and wore two bracelets, the two ra- bracelets would always collide. There would, anytime there was the two things moving around, they would always hit. And this is not to say that relationships have to be for everyone or that they're particularly necessary as a part of practice. So I'm not saying that. I'm saying there is a place for people to say that they don't want that to be a part of their practice or they don't think it should be a part of practice. However, I think that relationships can be a beautiful part of our practice. And 